Hello and welcome to the Talking Guitar Podcast, brought to you by the North American Guitar, home of the world's finest guitars, based here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Lindsay Straw, and this week I caught up with Virgil Pilon, the French luthier behind Blind Guitars. We got our first two guitars in from late last year, and more recently I've had the pleasure of specking out a new OM-style guitar with him, Inflamed Chestnut, which we expect to receive in October of this year. In our conversation, we dove into Virgil's experience repairing and restoring vintage guitars and how that's impacted his own style of building, not just aesthetically, but also in terms of structure, and how he loves seeing when his guitars have been truly well played. We did this interview via Zoom, but we will also be releasing a video version where you can see some fantastic B-roll of the B26 and B30 models we've had in the store, as well as see and hear both Carl Miner and myself playing those guitars. If you want the full audiovisual experience, hop on over to YouTube and check it out. Otherwise, please enjoy my chat with Virgil of Blind Guitars. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. We're really excited to hear more about you and your workshop and, and your guitars. And we've got a new one coming in soon. So we're going to just kind of, I guess, jump right in and start asking you all kinds of questions, if that's okay. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, tell us a bit about your journey into guitar making. Oh, into guitar making. That's uh, quite, uh, you know, ordinary. I started, you know, I started playing guitars. I, actually, I started playing bass when I was a teenager, like a lot of people. And very quickly, I became fascinated with the instrument, but how the instrument sounded more than playing the bass. Mm-hmm. And I started to spend my weekends in uh, guitar making shops, in repair shops, more than hanging out with my friends. And it really became an obsession very, very quickly. So at the end of high school, I I started to um, uh, studies in uh, furniture making just mm-hmm. to introduce me uh, with, uh, you know, woodwork. And, you know, I, I was only doing that when I was in high school, I was al- already repairing my friend's guitars, doing refrets, doing fret leveling, uh, changing wow. the pickups and everything. And after that year of uh, furniture making and precisely furniture repairing, and restoration. I left uh, France to go in Canada in the um, Quebec Lutry School. Mm-hmm. And I spent three years there, uh, finished the school quite the same moment. I, I, I am from the same promotion than uh, Loïc uh, uh, Borto. Oh, really? So oh, he's yeah. a very, very, very good friend of mine. Oh. And after the school, I left for Australia and did an apprenticeship with a luthier called uh, Phil Crickmore in Melbourne mm-hmm. for, for almost a year. Um, I started that because I wanted to learn more about, you know, arch top making, you know, how the top behave, how to care the top to, you know, to shape the sound of the guitar because it's really different uh, compared to, you know, flat top making. And the, you know, we, we felt, you know, really good together, working together. It should have, uh, I should have uh, stayed only a month in his, in his shop. But uh, after, you know, this month of uh, internship, uh, he proposed me to stay in the shop for the whole year. 
Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I was working with him for, yeah, almost a year in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And that was great. That was very great. I made instruments for him. I also made instruments for myself. He helped me over a lot. He, he taught me a lot about guitar making, about precision, about how to organize myself in a shop. And I came back in France, I came back in Paris um, and worked, after that I worked for three years and a half in a big repair shop in, in Paris called mm-hmm. Guitar Garage. And that was only repairs. And this is, you know, this is when I learned probably the most because this is a shop that, you know, we had probably 400 uh, instruments per month to repair. Mm-hmm. for a free, yeah, free Lutia team. So that was a lot. I saw a lot of instruments. I saw, you know, from the, the, the very cheap Squire and uh, cheap Asian guitars to the vintage 1930s Martin that you have to completely repair and completely restore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also doing lacquers for them, for people who want to customize their guitar. So for a whole year, I was, you know, really stuck into the, the spray booth, uh-huh. uh, which I kind of like, you know, doing doing the all the all the lacquer for the guitars. And after three years and a half with them, uh, I decided that I really wanted to to start again to to make, you know, acoustic guitars because that was my initial formation. Mm-hmm. And I left Paris and I just started my shop here in Biarritz, in southwest of France, mm-hmm. uh, in 2018. And that's it. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, that's a really, I mean, you say it's it's like a normal story, but I feel like a lot of our luthiers maybe kind of came to it. It's pretty common to hear people who came to luthery later in life, but you have been doing it since you were so young and just kind of immediately yeah. went from music to straight to to you know not even yes. just doing basic repairs but doing pretty like hefty repairs on your friend's guitars so that's that's really cool thank you but yeah for me for me it's normal because it's like if i always you know studied that it's like when when my friends went to you know medicine or i don't know any school i was going to guitar making school for me it's yeah. was my you know normal studies and normal uh, you know uh, way of doing your job Mm-hmm. So, are you from are you from Paris or are you from? Yeah, I'm from yeah. Paris. I'm born in Paris and I lived like twenty years in Paris. Okay, but now you live in the southwest. Yeah, and I'm I'm in southwest of France, so really just next to the Spanish border. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm in Basque Country, so Basque Country is a, a small region in southwest of France, mm-hmm. and the Spanish border is uh, like thirty minutes away from here. Oh, okay, cool. So, very nice, uh, very, very nice place. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, do you still play much music? I'm not a great player. I, no. I don't play. I, I have to admit that I don't play a lot of guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I learned guitar while I was uh, studying luthier um, in Quebec, mm-hmm. because I'm. I started as a bass player, so right. I'm really. I really went into guitar because I was doing guitar making. Mm-hmm. I was fascinated by, by the acoustic, the instrument, the mechanics and the physics behind the instruments. And this is why I started to play guitar. Mm-hmm. But I, I know probably like six chords and I play for myself and that's, that's enough for me. Yeah. I, really prefer to, I, I really prefer to see other people playing the guitar. 
And, and this is what I, I tell uh, every time. When I finish an instrument, I play it for 30 minutes, one hour, and then I'm done, and I want to build another one. <laughs> wow, yeah. so yeah, you really are just like focused on that process. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, really. This is, uh, this is the one thing that uh, obsessed me. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's cool. Um, what was I going to ask? Uh, so even though you don't play a lot of music, do you, do you feel like the music that you like influences your style of making guitars at all? Or is it kind of a separate thing for you? It's more of a separate thing for me because I listen to so much different style of music. I, I'm, of course, I'm guitar making, so I'm a guitar maker, so I'm absolutely fascinated with music. But if you walk with me for a day, the style of music during the day they vary a lot. You can go from, you know, free jazz in the morning, um, early blues in, you know, around the, the middle of the day, <laughs> and the end of, uh, and at the end of the day, I can listen to death metal or different things like that, or even electro music. Okay. So, yeah, it's two different things for me. Yeah. Because yeah, building acoustic guitars, and if I spend some time, I just discover a new band of electro music. I spend weeks listening to only that. It yeah. will not influence my uh, my worth. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to start building like synths or something. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you how did you land on your sort of like your style with kind of incorporating those vintage inspired um, designs and, and aesthetics then? It it came really when I was doing. Um, Repair uh, repairs in Paris okay. because when I finished the school in uh, in Quebec, I was really into you know contemporary guitar making mm -hmm. because uh, you know this is how we we learn guitar making in Quebec. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very you know your inspiration because I am a young guitar maker, so my inspiration my inspiration are not vintage Martins. Mm -hmm. But I started to study guitar making with Samoji's work or Michio Matsuda or, you know, really contemporary or modern builders. Mm -hmm. And when I went back in Paris and I started to do repairs, I started to see, you know, more vintage guitars and more vintage instruments. And I started to really appreciate the sound of those, in of those instruments mm -hmm. and also really appreciate the history behind them. Mm -hmm. You know, the patina, the fact that they are, mostly they are, you know, perfect studio guitars. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, the sound of a, guitar, of a vintage guitar is, is always perfect to play pop music or rock, or, you know, studio songs because it fits with everything. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, I, I became very close with studio musicians also. So, I started to went really into this world of, you know, more traditional guitars, but still having this contemporary, contemporary way of building background. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to mix um, those two parts of, of, you know, those two way of making guitars and seeing the guitar. Yeah. So th this is what are my guitars. This is really a mix of, you know, vintage inspiration and also I want to make you know very balanced guitar but I want also to have that modern kind of sound you know kind of more power power more impressive guitars mm -hmm. uh, so yeah 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 your guitars are really distinctive in that way that you can see 
I mean, because like usually folks go for like being more Martin-like or Gibson-like and that's kind of, you can really see that very clearly or they're very modern, but yeah, yours are just such a kind of unique combination of both and you have such like cool little touches and um, yeah, it's, it's your, yeah, your guitars definitely stand out for sure. Um, what are some of your influences outside of woodworking or luthery that influence your, your aesthetic choices or your, your builds? That's mostly woodworking and luxury. I, I, I love, you know, Art Deco, as you can see on my guitars, I love, you know, the whole Art Deco movements, uh, especially in furniture making, because it's, it's you, you have incredible furniture makers, incredible furniture makers, architecture. Um, but I, I try to keep feeling simple on my guitars. You know, I've got some little appointments, my bridge, the triple yeah. back grip on the back, the little appointments on the headstock, but I try to keep it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. um, because I want, this is also something I realized when I went back in Paris. When I left the literary school, I really wanted to do, you know, intricate work you know, meters and stuff like that. Like, like I, I wanted to prove something to myself that I can do, you know, really, really decorative and complex, uh, you know, decorative work on my guitars. But I realized that I was afraid of playing my own guitars. I didn't yeah. want, you know, to play with it, uh, play it with a pick or make dance into, into the legger. And, you know, I want my guitars to be, to be a tool for musician, not a piece of art. Yeah. You know, I want to be a tool and to get old and take dance and you know, I, I use a full natural cellulose lacquer. I don't have like a polyurethane uh, base base coat. Mm -hmm. It's only natural cellulose. So with the time, you will see the grain of the of the fiber of the wood reappear. Okay. You will. So yeah, I, I want you know my guitar that are brand new right now to be to look like real vintage guitars in, in twenty years. Mm -hmm. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, I, I try to to keep things simple. Mm -hmm. Awesome. have five models that you make right now um how did you decide on those particular five um simply because i wanted to have kind of you know from the smallest to the biggest mm -hmm. um, i hesitated for quite a long time of uh, you know i've got the b51 this is uh, this is basically a j185 uh, mm -hmm. you know, model and I hesitated for a long time between the J185 and the J200 which mm -hmm. is a bit bigger but I always found out that you know the J200 is, is really it's too big for me there is there is too much air inside the guitar and most of the time I, I tried the guitar I was a bit disappointed because you've got a big, a big guitar in your hands, mm -hmm. you play it and there is not that much power and not that much bass on those instruments. 
and I get I get actually I get more basses and more power with a, a 16 inch uh, small jumbo mm -hmm. than with a 17 inch you know big super jumbo. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's I always I've been a big fan of Gib, uh, Gibson aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, the, the B1 is, uh, is an L1. Uh, the B26 is an L, L00. Uh, I've got only the B30, which is a Martin OM, because there is, you know, this is this is the perfect combination and the, yeah. the middle of all guitar, you know, the, the middle uh, the middle shape of and uh, the middle size of uh, all models that exist. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty simple. I wanted a guitar of each size uh, to fit kind of each player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, what do you do for bracing on your guitars? Do you do uh, scalloped X bracing or do you have a different approach? No, this is uh, actually this is a double X bracing. Mm -hmm. So there is a main X, uh, which is not scalloped, which is only tapered. Okay. And there is a, a second, you know, X bracing, uh, which is really thin. Uh, it's actually it's uh, five five millimeters wide and probably six to eight millimeters tall uh, braces. So that's really thin behind the, the first uh, the first X brace. And I try to keep. I know that most of modern builders use you know make quite thin tops with very high and very thin braces, but I. I prefer the sound of uh, thick tops. So um, most of my tops, you know, start at uh, almost you know three point two millimeters okay. for the biggest motor for the biggest models and three millimeters for the smallest one. And I, I really reduce the size of my bracings. I, I want my top to support itself. Okay. I want I want it to to. You know, I don't want my bracing to be the main producer of sound. I want really the top to, to support itself and to produce the sound of the guitar. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Did you kind of come to that through just like all the repair work you did and seeing yeah, the guitars break down over time? Because all the guitars I saw with very thin tops have kind of a fatigue in between the, in between, in between the braces. And you see that after 15 years, 20 years. And all the thin top guitars, they, they get very you know, the, the, yeah, they get fatigued. Mm -hmm. So you, you see in between the braces that the top is, you know, kind of not falling apart. I don't know the term in English, but it's... It, yeah, kind of kind of sagging or bellying. Yeah, exactly. And the sound is not becoming very great. Yeah. Uh, compared to really thick top. I, I had recently uh, in the shop a 1954 J185. Uh, it sounded incredible. And when I looked inside the top, that was like, you know, vintage Gibson works or a lot of glue and not the, the cleanest job ever, but uh, the guitar was incredible. And the top was almost 3.5 millimeters. Wow. So yeah, I was okay. <laughs> yeah, on, on the long term, this is, I think this is a better idea to have, you know, yeah, thicker tops. Mm -hmm. Especially for this kind of guitar, where yeah. I want people to to play them. Really, it's not it's yeah. not a, yeah. a collection object or an art piece. It's it's an effective tool. Yeah, yeah. You want people to get out and bang on it and record. Yeah, that's it. yeah, this is what I want. I always prefer when people come back in the shop with a guitar with big marks and you know <laughs> playing marks everywhere. I'm 
I'm kind of happy with it. Mm -hmm. But when people come back in the shop with a guitar that has almost no playing marks, I'm just yeah, freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't like it. He doesn't play it. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's kind of like uh, yeah I can yeah I can see as a luthier why you would definitely prefer that. Yeah. Um, so this one is the B twenty six, which is essentially your L double O. That's it. And it's a Adirondack and Indian rosewood. Do you, do you how do you feel about working with those kind of classic tone woods versus maybe some of the more alternative ones these days? Classic tone woods, it's convenient because you probably like you I, I played so many you know indian rosewood you know guitars and i kind of know the whole range of tone i can get with those woods so there is no real surprise i i really know what what will what will be the result uh, of the guitar of the tone of the guitar uh, so it's it's kind of easy to to make a guitar with those woods Mm -hmm. uh, when you are working with a more alternative world, uh, more alternative wood, uh, there is always a surprise. Yeah. Uh, especially for like, you know, chestnut. Mm -hmm. uh, I only play like three guitars made out of chestnut and this is guitar I made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there is always, I, I, you know, you, at every guitar you discover a new face of, you know, this tone wood and you know, it, it, I, it would take, you know, hundreds of guitars to, to be sure of the whole range of tone you can get with a new tone wood. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Working, working with traditional tone wood is kind of convenient because you already know what kind of result you will have uh, compared to alternative tone wood you, you're exploring. Yeah. So the next guitar you're going to build us is a, a B30 or your OM in a, in the yes. chestnut. And so um, I'm really excited to, to see that and hear that. Um, how many, have you seen other players or other uh, luthiers building with chestnut much, or is that kind of something that you explored on your own? Almost never. Uh, I saw recently a video of Ken Parker uh, doing a, a arch top with a chestnut back okay. inside. Uh, and this is something I, I kind of discovered, discovered myself uh, because the chestnuts I, I use, the flame chestnut I would use for the guitar has been, has been, cut, has been cut in Normandy by a friend. Mm -hmm. And that was totally an experience. Uh, he, he, the tree was probably standing, standing dead for four or five years. Okay. And he found it and he just cut it and inside was, you know, beautiful flames and everything. And when I picked up the piece of wood in, inside his shop to, to buy it, I was that slight, that's incredibly responsive. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that I can make a guitar out of it. Oh, cool. So I started to explore and the, the first guitar was, um, you know, instantly a very good surprise. Mm -hmm. It was really powerful. It was rich. It has that kind of, you know, mids that you have in mahogany, but with more bases and something, something fuller into it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really appreciate uh, working with Chetat. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, we're really excited to hear it. Um, so do you work with many other shops like ours or do you primarily work with customers directly to build guitars? Mostly customers directly. Yeah. Uh, you're the only shop for the moment I, I work okay. with. Uh, 
I I like walking. I started uh, only walking with you know with customer directly, and it worked well for the moment. So yeah, the mostly mostly uh, independent customers. Yeah, what do you think? Um, like for somebody who's maybe considering buying a custom built guitar, what do you think players get out of working with a luthier like you versus just buying one in the shop? Uh, versus being one of my guitar in the shop or being oh just like working with you and like sort of planning a guitar out and inspecting it with you versus like buying a martin or something like that oh, okay uh oh the guitar making and uh, industrial making is very you know two different worlds uh i think um you know martin martin and big brands are mostly doing you know great job uh, with uh, making guitars but what people have to, uh, have to realize that, you know, the most problem that I have with industri industrial making is that the, most of the guitar are overbuilt, mm -hmm. but not not because they don't know how to, they don't know how to build uh, how to build guitars, but mostly because they don't know how uh, who will buy the guitar. Mm -hmm. So the difference between going to a luthier like me or like any you know guitar maker is that he will make the guitar just for you. And every time I've got a customer, I ask you know the the, the string tension he use, how he play, uh, mm -hmm. the fitness of the pick he plays, uh, the music he likes, uh, his own story with the guitar, and that helped me to make a guitar just for him. Mm -hmm. uh, even if even if you choose you know traditional tones like uh, Sid Kasparov and Indian Ozu, I rebuilt the guitar and the structure of the guitar for his way of playing. Okay. So this is this is the main difference. Yeah, yeah. Now that that's a that's a really good selling point for for yeah getting a custom built guitar for sure. Um, it's also, you know it's more it's even more that than you know most custom shops in the, in the industry do mm -hmm. you know. So if you go to Martin and you want to custom shop Martin, they will never ask you, you yeah. know, when did you start a guitar? How do you yeah. play? <laughs> How many hours do you play a day and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Um, is there is there a tone wood that you think people should consider more often or whether it's a new one or a classic one? Is there something that you kind of think players should give more attention to? Mm, alternative tone was like, um, you know, cherry, chestnuts, uh, walnuts are great on wood. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I sometimes sometimes I feel that there is a, a, a bit of a snobism about you know classic mahogany or Indian rosewood. Yeah. Indian rosewood is an incredible on wood. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time, I tell my customer that you know if I close your eyes, you you would have the, the difficulties to to make a difference between a a Brazilian rosewood guitar and a good Indian rosewood guitar. Yeah. So it's an incredible tone wood. It's very common in the guitar world, but yeah, don't underestimate it. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of my, my big takeaway more recently is that like getting into this world, it's like, it's very fun to explore all these different tone woods, but at the end of the day, like there's a reason why Indian rosewood is the classic that it is. It's because yeah, really. it works beautifully. It makes amazing guitars. And especially in the hands of a luthier like you, it's going to be great. So, 
Yeah, it, it's light, it's re it's uh, responsive, it's stable, mm. uh, it's beautiful, it's yeah. beautiful downward. Mm. And sometimes I've got customers coming and uh, they want, you know, beautiful Madagascar rosewood, they want beautiful Brazilian rosewood, and they are just, ah, I don't have the money for it. I'm just, yeah, go for Indian rosewood, don't, yeah. don't underestimate that. That's, that's a beautiful wood and you will get, you know, a sound that's so close to you know the Madagascar and Brazilian rosewood we you you dream about mm -hmm. that you, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know that you don't play a lot, but if have you built a guitar for yourself, or what guitar would you choose to build for yourself if you haven't? Actually, I don't. I, I didn't build a guitar for myself, but I, I keep the the, the prototype for myself. I'm trying different things on my bracings or my tops, and I feel that it's not working really well, or it will not, you know, hold, you know, um, on the long term. Mm -hmm. uh, I keep the guitar for myself until it, until it falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I've got I've got just in the, facing me a, a, a B shirt. Yeah, I can I can <laughs> like um, uh, flamed ash and uh, European spruce holly B shirty mm -hmm. that I made, but I made it with a very very light top. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought about it for um, you know using only uh, silk and steel uh, strings mm -hmm. so it's very very you know lightly uh, built mm -hmm. and you know I, I am not sure that it will be there for in uh, in five years <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really experimenting so i kept it for myself and playing it at home and in five in five years probably it will not be playable <laughs> so i'm doing that at every experimentation and i'm doing it the shop yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, and I keep it in the at home and I play it until uh, until it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a good way to go. Just have all the prototypes. Yeah. So one last question for you before we wrap up: um, What's what's going on next for you? Are you going to go to any of the guitar shows or showcases this year? Unfortunately, for the moment, I don't have the time to go to guitar shows. I'm, I'm unfortunately, but I'm very fortunate fortunate to have uh, quite a lot of order for the moment. So yeah, I, every time I try to go to guitar shows, I had more orders. I'm just yeah, I, I prefer to focus on my customers that are waiting for the guitars more than you know building guitars for guitar shows and that will get dense in the guitar shows yeah. and yeah no i don't have anything for the moment uh, you know planned uh, and I, I had a lot uh, planned before uh, you know the covid mm -hmm. but everything was cancelled and i had you know order you know that that came up and for the moment, I don't know any guitar shows that I'm coming, uh, I'm coming in. Well, it sounds like you, you're, you're not doing them, but for a good reason, because you're, you're just so busy. So yeah, it's always a good thing. Sometimes I would love to go to guitar shows, not more to, to see other videos. Yeah. You know, to, to meet with, you know, the friends. It's, it's very a small community, so we, we kind of know each other. Yeah. So it's nice to see to see other builders, to have a beer with them, to, to have fun with them, to see their work. And this is this is the, the main reason I would love to go to Gigstar shows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in the meantime, I mean hopefully maybe in a future year you'll go out and we'll get to meet in person. But otherwise we'll just we'll stay in touch on Instagram because you do such a great feed yeah. and have awesome photos of your guitars in the shop and and yeah. 
So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Guitar. As of recording, the double-o-sized B26 in Indian Rosewood and Adirondack Spruce is available, and the B30 in Flame Chestnut is available for pre-order. To learn more about these guitars and our incredible roster of guitar makers, come visit us at thenorthamericanguitar.com. Until next time.